Uh, okay, today we're in part two of a series called Weird. And I'll, I'll just kind of own like where this series grew out of is that a little while ago uh, in the springtime leading up to Easter, we did a series on Peter, the, the person, the follower of Jesus named Peter. I had so much fun with it that I'm like, I want to dig into this guy's writings. True story, that's where it came out of. And so now we're prepared for this series. We're looking at the book of First Peter and kind of the theme of the whole book is y'all are weird, right? Like Christians, Jesus followers are all weird in our own kind of own kind of special way. And I'm no exception. I hope that you're not an exception to that one either. Christians are strange people. And we're, we're going to own that. We're going to own that, especially because really in the world today, and I don't think you're going to disagree with this, normal doesn't even really work. The, the normal is a special kind of broken. I mean, we can see it all around us too, right? Like the world at large that tends to be normal is also on average broke, financially. The world around us is typically divorced. The world around us is living in anxiety, is living in tension all the time. Sleepless nights is a normal kind of experience. So we're going like, okay, if normal is broken, maybe weird doesn't quite sound so bad after all. And so what we're doing in this series is we're looking, last week, Kyle brought us this message about how Christians view setbacks and trials with, Peter says, inexpressible joy. If God could do that with our trial and our setback to turn our setbacks into inexpressible joy, that's weird. And I want to have that kind of weird posture towards the world. We're going to see how Christians relate to the world next week is weird. Today we're going to talk about the, the way that Christians have values, the way that, that Jesus' followers in the world today view their time, view their resources. It's just plain weird. So I want to like cast you this picture a little bit about what normal looks like. And I'm gonna dial a few numbers here. If your phone rings, like pick it up. That's, that's on you. That's the spirit of God whispering to you. I, I said earlier, normal, normal is broke. I came across a statistic that was like, uh, every 10 years, the average American goes $5,000 further into credit card debt. That's a system that doesn't really work. <laughs> Given enough time, normal doesn't work. Normal is broken. What else is normal? Escapism. It's just trying to get out. And this could look like a lot of different ways. Sometimes it looks like diving headfirst into party culture. Because the rest of life is too difficult to manage, I'm going to do this thing. It doesn't have to look like substance abuse. Sometimes it looks like online spending abuse. <laughs> right? When the package shows up and it's like, I just need another hit to like get me through my day, get me through another 24-hour period of my life. Escapism could take the look, uh, the form of just doom scrolling. YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, just on repeat. Watching somebody else live their lives instead of building one for yourself. For some of us, we open up our calendars and it looks way too normal. It is like all the colors of the rainbow. It is coordinated. It is overlapping on top of each other. It is full. Some of you guys are in conversations. And it's like, listen, I'm, in, I'm missing three meetings right now just to be in this conversation with you. I am busy. And we wear that like a badge of honor. Because after all, anything less than being overflowing busy is, is weird. And we want to be normal. But remember... <laughs> Normal doesn't work. And so we're claiming something else. We're, we're, we're going to be weird. And Jesus led the way. And he's like, listen, you can be weird. Uh, he painted this picture of a couple different roads. In his world-famous Sermon on the Mount, he goes, there's like this really wide, easily accessible, easy path. It's normal. 
But the place that, that that path leads to looks a lot like destruction. And there's this path that Jesus painted that's, uh, that's narrow, uh, that's difficult, that's harder, at least at first. And he goes, the place that that path goes to, leads to, that very few take, that could be characterized more as life. A normal, broken destruction or a healthy, weird life. Jesus paints this picture and, and Peter picks up to it. But just because we say we want to be weird doesn't make weirdness easy. I'm going to share a story with you, and I would love to share this story that was like, hey, before I met Jesus a very long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I was this other person. I would love to say that, but the truth is, at my kid's open house for school last week, okay, we fall into these old rhythms, these old habits. Uh, They wanted to get there early, being who I am. I'm running late. I pulled through the parking lot, kind of zigzagged through some aisles a couple times. You know, obviously no spots. We're already late. They're stressing out. I'm stressing out. The tension is building. You've been there. You get that, right? And I'm like, okay, I'm obviously not going to make it into the primary lot. We'll go into the auxiliary run, you know, the overflow lot just next door. I got to pull out of my lot and, uh, and I just like pull onto the next one. I need a grand total of like nine feet of road. That's all I need. Just to like zip, zip it around. And, and I'm into the lot. But I pull up and the cars are zipping by, the light up ahead turns red, and this car stops right in front of me, blocks my way to get out. And I'm like, come on, I'm like stress building, are we gonna be late, dad, what's the matter, dad? I'm like, the cars, the trucks and SUVs are now behind me, like just jumping the curb, so I'm watching the overflow lot like fill up, right? So now I'm like, I don't even know where I'm gonna park, I'm gonna be in the next zip code or I'm gonna be over in Allegan County, nothing wrong with that. Not where I wanna be though, this car stop blocks me right in front of me, and I go, oh, come on, you've got to be kidding me, this idiot. And in that silence, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is like, maybe you shouldn't have said that with, uh, with the kids in the back seat. And my son is like, who's the idiot, Dad? Like, Probably shouldn't have said that in church either, but that's, a, that's another story. And then he looks up and he goes, Dad, is that an encounter sticker on the back of the idiot's car? Does the idiot go to our church, Dad? <laughs> they used to. <laughs> By the way, the stickers are available at the starting point location at Fulton Heights in Kenwood. Coming out, coming out of that story, a couple things are true. They had no way of knowing I needed nine feet of road. So if that's you, it's cool. It's good. It's good. It's on me for being late, okay? I can own that, all right? A second thing, yelling at other drivers on the road, you might agree, is normal. It's normal. And I'd love to be able to paint you this picture, this picture pastor perfect kind of life, and I can't do that. Because I, for one, I think I'm not the only one in the room. We slip into these old styles, these old ways of living. And that's where Peter picks it up. Because I have shot all of my credibility on this whatsoever. We're going to let Peter speak for himself. So we're going we're gonna to go in the Bible. We're going to go to the book of First Peter chapter 1. And remember, we're doing this like line by line. So last week we talked about... Uh, we talked about 1 Peter 1, 1 through 12, and now we, we, pick a, we pick it up in verse 13. And uh, 1 Peter 1, verse 13, and he, just, and he starts off with this line right here. He goes, therefore. 
I've said this before, we're going to keep, keep on saying it. When you come to a Bible study and, uh, and, and a small group leader, or, or the pastor in this case, doesn't like pause and, and beg the question, when you come to a therefore, you've got to ask yourself what it's, what it's there for. Awesome, right? 134 credit master's degree program, and that's what I get out of it. A little gem right there. But come to a therefore. In this case, uh, Peter is referencing something. He's going, um, first 12 verses, it's all about being an exile, being a, a foreigner in this place. You are a traveler through a foreign land. You are a pilgrim, not much more. A kind of tagline on this series. If it feels at times like this world is not your home, maybe you are built for a different one. If sometimes it feels like this isn't your home, if earth isn't your home, maybe heaven is your home, maybe your true and authentic citizenship isn't right here on earth, but it's with Jesus in heaven somewhere. Therefore, we're going to flip that one around though. Because sometimes, not asking for a show of hands, sometimes this world feels a little bit too comfortable. This world feels a little bit too good, too normal, that we don't feel like we fit in quite all that much. And I just, I just want to ask, which home do you think you were built for? Silly illustration. I'm from West Michigan. I was born in West Michigan, raised in West Michigan, do ministry in West Michigan, and there is a solid chance that I'm going to be buried in West Michigan, and I've got no problem with that in the world. But I, I know this area. I know Michigan. I know Michigan. Ganders or Michigangsters, depending on your persuasion, right? This is, you're my people. Like, like, I get this. And so when we sit down together and you're like, yeah, I'm from Michigan too. And I'm like, where in Michigan are you from? And if you don't use a hand to indicate where you're from, I might question whether or not you're actually from Michigan. We sit down in a restaurant and you're like, I'm from Michigan. And you're like, what sodas do you have? I might question whether or not you're actually from Michigan because we call it pop, don't we? Right? Like good people. We, we call it... If you don't use Werner's as medicine, I don't know where you're from. You don't show up to a potluck with the green gelatin with the little grapes suspended in it and call it a salad. Like you're not from Michigan. You don't bump into somebody and say, oh, didn't see you there. You're not from Michigan, right? So where are you from? Kind of landing this one. If you're looking around the rest of the world... And you're like going, I'm not any different than anybody else on the job site, anybody else at the office. Are you really a citizen of heaven? Another way of putting it is that in the book of Revelation, we're painted this picture. Revelation is a vision, the vision that God gives to one of his followers, John, of what heaven is going to be like. And we see every people, nation, tribe, everybody from all over the world, and they're gathered before the throne of Jesus, and they're shouting out their declarations, they're shouting out their praise, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and Jesus is at the center of it all. And if you're like going, man, heaven sounds amazing. You know, people getting along, streets made of gold, but I don't know about all the Jesus stuff. I want heaven. It's just Jesus isn't a central character in heaven. And I just want to ask, you sure you're going to get invited? Because we're citizens passing through, this is going to be a hard word. Because we're citizens passing through, he ramps it up, with minds that are alert and fully sober. 
Now, when he's talking about sobriety, he's not talking about like a, a abstaining from alcohol or other mind-inducing, uh, mind-bending substances. Uh, the literal translation of what Peter is doing here, and he's going, um, okay, this is going to be a hard word. And so with the minds, um, with our minds, with the loins of our minds fully girded up, and I just, I can see why the translation, translators opted for a little bit different rendering of that one. You know, with the, with the girds, uh, having girded the loins of our mind, right? Th- that's how we're going to enter into this. Uh, it's a strange picture. Uh, the, uh, back then, they wore tunics, they wore man dresses. It's cool. And if they're going to do some difficult work, uh, right, uh, something that involved a little bit of sweat, they would hike up their man dress, they would tuck it in their leather belt, skies out, flies out. It's a little, a little bit easier, a little bit more accessible to run around. That's what they would do, strenuous activity. If they were going into battle, all right, they would gird up their loins so that they could be fully dressed for battle. We would say something today like, uh, Paul's writing today, uh, sorry, Peter is writing today, and he'd be like, hey, listen, roll up the shirt sleeves of your mind. Because what is going to follow is a difficult word. I fully believe, and I've been praying for it this week, and I think that God is making good on it. The Spirit of God is going to give you a difficult, challenging word. Because you're, therefore, because you're, you're a passenger, or you're traveling through, you're a pilgrim passing through, you're preparing, rolling up the shirt sleeves of your mind for this difficult word, okay? Peter continues, one last thing, one last thing. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. I cannot emphasize this enough. It's a difficult word. Okay, and we'll get there. We'll get there. But before we do, you know, gird the loins of your mind, right? Roll the shirts of your minds. Also, set your mind on the grace. If you're keeping track of this thing, you can like look on ahead. This is the third time that Peter has mentioned grace in 13 verses. Do you think he has something on his mind that he wants to share? He starts off with grace and peace to you. He later goes into, hey, back in the Old Testament, those prophets, they're predicting the grace of Jesus that's going to be brought. And here he's talking about the grace when Jesus Christ is revealed on the last day. There's grace in the past, there's grace in the present, and there's grace in the future. Listen, he is just about to have a very difficult word for you, but before he does, remember, grace in the past, grace in the present, grace in the future, and for all time. Earlier this this week, I was reminded of this saying, we think sometimes of grace as the diving board of the Christian life. Like, like this is the springboard that we dive off from that kind of gets us going. We sit down, we pray a prayer, Jesus enters our heart, and it's like, that's grace. Church, grace isn't the diving board, grace is the entire pool complex. We jump off from the diving board, we go into the water, we play in the water. There's grace in the past, grace in the present, grace forever and always in the name of Jesus, amen. Now we're ready for the difficult word. As obedient children, verse 14, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. If if we're not conforming to the evil desires, then we're going to be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy, therefore, because I am holy. Just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all you do, For it is written, be holy, because I 
am holy. Peter's employing his listeners and, and all of us. Did you know that there's a pattern to this world? Some of us, we stumble into it and we feel sometimes like it's the first time, like we discovered this. Like I'm the first person that discovered in the history of humanity, I think more money is going to make me happier. And that doesn't have an end to it. It's just always more equals more. More money equals more happiness. And, and I discovered that. It's a pattern to the world that we're stepping into. And Peter goes, if I was going to call it something, I'd call it ignorance. Because other people have lived that. They've gotten more money and then they've realized it didn't make them happier. The pattern to this world grew into something. This bad view of the world grew into these evil desires of the world. And the outcome was, as Jesus talked about it earlier, destruction. It didn't fully and finally satisfy and so it's like, okay, it's not going to be the money thing because I could probably, many of you are in the category, you can look back in the, in the past and you can say, I have experienced life in different tax brackets, but I can look back in my past and I can't say that they're 100% correlated to happiness in those moments. Okay, so maybe it's not the, the money thing. You know, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's something else. Uh, St. Augustine, a very old theologian, Still quoted today, long time later. It's probably got some good stuff. He goes, Christians are out of sync with this world. Christians are weird with this world on three big categories. Uh, first one I mentioned is money. Second thing is relationships, intimacy, sex. The third thing is what we're going to call power and influence. We talked about money already. Uh, relationship thing. Drake fans. We got some Drake fans in the house. Obviously not. It's church. You know not to raise your hand. Well done. Both of you at Fulton Heights. Talk to your small group leader afterwards. Drake, uh, Drake sat down for an interview, and he goes, I fell into this trap of thinking that I needed to enjoy, quote, the company of a different woman every single night. And the next day I would wake up, and the void wasn't filled, and I would delude myself into thinking that I could repeat the cycle and it would be different this time. Another actor, Matt Dillon, he, uh, he, in an interview, said, there is this, uh, this dysfunction in Hollywood that we are relationship junkies just going from one to the next to the next to the next, just trying to get that next high and subsequent crash. Only his substance of choice is a person, a person for whom Jesus left heaven he loved that much. You can see the road that this thing leads is nasty, and it leads to destruction. Okay, uh, maybe it's going to be power, influence. I gather more success. I become more influential. I become more powerful. Uh, Katy Perry tweeted out. This is, this is probably nine or ten years ago. Also, it's not tweeting anymore. It's Xing or something. I'm not sure. Uh, back then, it was definitely tweeting, so we're going to go with that. She, she tweets out 100 million digital downloads and still so insecure. You can kind of see where we're leading on this, right? There's a pattern to this world, and it broadly just looks like destruction. And Augustine kind of points this thing out, and he goes, this is how out of sync Christians are. Right? With, these, with these three big things especially. He goes, when it comes to finances and power, Christians are so promiscuous is the word that he uses, are so free. 
When it comes to money and power, Christians just give this stuff away. Christians will literally just give away their money. In fact, the challenge that we have is just to give it away well that does helping instead of harm. When it comes to power, we follow Jesus who had all the gathered power in the universe and he never once leveraged that for his own good. Every miracle he did was was on behalf of somebody else. They were nailing him. A lesser person was nailing him to the cross, killing him. And he uses that influence that he has before his father in heaven. You know what he says? Would you forgive them? You know, I don't think they fully understand who it is that they've got up on this cross. This is who Christians are. We're so promiscuous with our money. We're so promiscuous with our, with our power. And we're so stingy with those relationships and the intimacy that we give. That we commit in a covenant of marriage between a man and a woman, this, this love that we have. It's so weird. When the world, Augustine wrote this many years ago, hundreds of years ago, when the world inverts that one completely. The world is so stingy with their money, is so stingy with their power and influence, just trying to gather it and just trying to hold on to it and so promiscuous with those relationships. Christians are so weird. Do you feel as weird as Augustine talked about? I I just want to highlight the one of them, the, the, the money one. If you are following Jesus already, this is gonna come as an explanatory note about why you feel the way that you do. If you are considering following Jesus, this is a, this is a caution to heed. Following Jesus is gonna put you at least three steps behind the rest of the world. Three steps is what the rest of the world is gonna be ahead of you in following Jesus when it comes to your finances. Uh, three steps because, uh, number one, the average person in West Michigan, the average middle-class person in West Michigan has something like $15,000 in credit card debt. And gathering more, as I mentioned earlier, uh, more and more every month. It reminds me of the meme of the guy walking around his messy house and going, like, I remember when all of this stuff used to be money. <laughs> Some of you are like, that hit a little too close to home, Dirk. Okay, stay in your lane. <laughs> um, the average person is in debt following Jesus And we're instructed, hey, following Jesus means not finding our our wholeness in the stuff around us, but in Jesus alone. We're probably probably gonna shy away from that. Uh, Second thing is, Christians are encouraged to give away a tenth of everything that they have. That's a big order. And it's it's gonna look strange when you're both not accumulating more than you have, spending more than you have, and also you're giving away a tenth of everything that you have. That's two steps behind right there. And then Christians are also... Instructed to be wise with their financial resources, wise with their money, and that means saving, which is another thing that Americans do not do. If you follow Jesus, I want you to be prepared. You're going to be at least three steps behind the neighbors around you. It's weird. Are you? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put a couple of questions on the screen. And this is not a rhetorical question. This is not just a fun, made-for-church thought experiment that we drop I want you to answer this internally to yourself. And then I want, you, I want you to answer this thing externally with somebody else. Maybe it's the person that you drove here with today. Maybe it's the person in your group that you're doing life with. Answer these two questions. The first one is this one. What is the biggest way that I'm weird in the world? I know some of you checked off travel sports and you're like, it's not... I wouldn't say that for everybody, but I'm saying no for me, for my family. And you're going, that is the thing. That is weird. What is it that makes you weird to the world? 
around your value system. And the second one is just like it. What's the biggest area that God is showing me that he wants me to be weird? You just thought of something. Something just came to your mind and you're like, nope, can't be that. I'm going to push that one out. I'm going to find something easier. No, no, no. Go with the first thing. In time, following Jesus long enough, you're going to recognize it as his Holy Spirit whispering into your life. You've wondered what the sound of God is like. That's it. What is the area that he's nudging you to be a little more weird in? I can tell this is a, this is a tough word. And you're going, it is a good thing that I have the loins of my mind girded for that tough message. <laughs> that isn't where we end it because that's not where Peter ended it. There's grace in the past. There's grace in the present. There's grace in the future forever and always. And the very next line in verse 17, he says, all of this, why? Since, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially. Uh, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, handed down for you from your ancestors. That's the pattern of the world that we just talked about. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he's preaching now, he was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and hope are in God. He goes, all of this is possible. You're weird. Not because you chose to be weird. You are weird as a follower of Jesus. Not because you think that living a holy life is going to somehow move you into knowing Jesus. No, no, no. We flip that around. You are weird because you know Jesus and now you're starting to live that holy life, that weird life, that set apart kind of life. We're not trying to earn anything. Remember, since you call on a father, since you call on your dad, that's who he is. Yes, he's an impartial judge. Yes, he's the creator of the universe. But you also get to call him dad. And the message of grace, the message of gospel, is not that when you step in it, man, when you say something about some other drivers and the kids are in the back seat, and you don't go, dad, I messed up. I hope you don't find out about it. When you step in it and when you mess up, you go, I just messed up huge. I'd better call my dad. That's the gospel message that Peter wants his hearers and you and I to hear today. It's beautiful. Specifically because it's not a behavior modification program, it's an inward spiritual transformation that takes place. And here's the thing. 